Welcome to Molly Wounded Podcast, episode 23. I'm your host, James. And I'm your host, Chris. Welcome, everybody. Um, good to be back. How are you, Chris? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm getting a little bit sick from the uh, the germ goblin that is my three-month-old, but um, I'm all right. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, back into work and and life again after Border Wars. Um, I did take, I took some time off leading up to it, so had a bit of a break and back into work and actually had a little bit of a hobby break after that as well. Had about a week off um, of the hobby just to kind of decompress and readjust into normal life because <laughs> it was pretty much paint, 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 go, go, go in that in the week leading up to that. So Yeah, you were pretty much wet on the table, which is rare for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm usually like well-prepared, like weeks in advance. I've only like had to paint like an extra couple of models for my list or something, but this time I'm like, no, I'm painting a gash. I'm going to paint 10 chain rusts and the um, spell portal. So... <laughs> Yeah, I put the pressure on myself, but I think it was good because Nagash had been sitting in my cupboard for three years, and it needed to, he needed to be painted. And, and now he's done. Now he's done, and now I'm all about Nagash. So <laughs> maybe a bit behind the eight ball when he was really cool last year <laughs> and uh, earlier this year, but meh, I don't care. I'm just going to go do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, with this episode, we're just going to do kind of hobby progress. We're going to cover off our experience at Border Wars um, two weekends ago now, um, which was the event run by Travis and Adam. So yeah, that's that's the plan for today's show. So I think we'll kick straight on with hobby progress. Um, I think it might be a short section, but James? Yeah, yeah well, like I said, I had a week off, but um, started again this week. Uh, just with slaughter coming up, I thought I'd just try and pump out as much terrain as I could between now and then. So I've built the Numus Oculum and I'm about halfway through building the uh, Arcane Ruins. So plan is just to keep building terrain pretty much. Just going to build it first, then assemble it and uh, onto MDF uh, shape boards and just go from there. I've ordered a bunch of hobby stuff from War and Peace Games. And, yeah, so I've got tufts and basing material, new paints, a whole lot of stuff just to kind of set me up to paint all the terrain. So, yeah, that's pretty much hobby for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about yourself? Uh, literally don't think I've done anything, to be honest. Um, You're just I'm admiring really... the, the sword on your wall? <laughs> yeah, I need to mount it somehow. Um, <laughs> but, to um, yeah, honestly, I haven't had any time. I haven't done any hobby, literally. Um yeah, life's just been a bit crazy, to be honest, since um, getting back that weekend. It's um, been pretty full on. I only had kind of four days at home. I was recording with you on, on the coach's show on the Wednesday night and then working late at work and then had to go up to the Gold Coast and drive back um, the baby and everything. And then, yeah, I've just been wiped and then getting sick. So I haven't done anything. Um, I bought the... Buying stuff counts, right? I bought the uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I bought Thundrix Profiteers, the new KO warband for Underworlds. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, um, today, so I will put them together. Um, maybe later tonight and uh, build a deck. I think I'm going to play some Underworlds tomorrow evening with Liam. So yeah, that nice. should be fun. Just have a have a bit of a break um, before I carry on with the next stuff. I think um, I think I might start going through all the assembly of all my ghouls for my flesh eaters because other than that all of my stuff's assembled for my feck apart from probably a pile of about 60 to 80 ghouls yeah so um i'm just going to try and get them built and then probably paint up 30 of them the three tens of battle line for other lists so i can 
try out some different lists. Um, but yeah, not for a little while. I'm a bit a bit wiped at the moment. So yeah, no worries. Well, um, yeah, should we talk about uh, Border Wars then? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, had a good yeah. Um, had a good weekend. It was a great <laughs> weekend. Yeah, it's probably one of my one of my favourites. I think I was in a good mood. Yeah. Um, taking that extra like taking the extra days off, kind of in front of it, and then having the day off after just made it such a nicer experience than like finishing work on a Friday, flying off somewhere, getting there late probably yeah. staying up later than you should chatting and then doing the tournament on Saturday, rushing off to the airport Sunday, getting home late and then going straight back to work Monday. Yeah. You don't really get a chance to kind of experience and just chill and have fun. No. But with, no. with this one, with the way the like Easter and um, Anzac day and everything fell, it was nice to just take the, uh, some extra time. So yeah. I flew down from the Gold Coast actually um, to Albury on the Thursday, um, yeah. Thursday early morning uh got a 6 a.m flight from gold coast got there about 10 30 um and then got to the house and then didn't think until i got to the house to ch- and realized that the uh keys weren't in the lockbox that to oh. go oh what's the check-in time and then see oh i can't check in until three and i've got <laughs> here and there's nothing around and i'm here at 11 in the morning uh tons of stuff <laughs> so i uh i just quickly messaged the uh airbnb hosts and Fortunately, they were inside, so she just messaged me and kind of finished cleaning quickly and let me in by twelve thirty. So I just finished listening to my audio book and chilled out in the sun because it was a nice day. So yeah, it's a lovely weekend. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, just got there on the Thursday morning and then chilled out in the house. Really, just played. Uh, I think I played Smash Bros on my Switch because I took that down for like four <laughs> or five hours waiting for Dan and Liam to drive down from Sydney, and then uh, they got there and then. I'd already had, I think, three guava cruises by then because um, I'm all about the guava. <laughs> the guava um, cruises. As everyone that's seen me at a few recent tournaments knows, I'm all about the guava. Oh, um, so if you ever want to get me a drink and there's a guava cruiser, yes, please. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I uh, I think I'd had like three of them before they turned up and then they turned up and then we started drinking in earnest and uh, <laughs> playing Smash Bros. Dan brought his uh, PS4 down and he just got... Um, Mortal Kombat 11 earlier that week. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, basically Thursday, Friday, we just chilled out, played loads of Smash Bros and um, Mortal Kombat and drank. And me and Liam did a Bunnings trip early Friday morning and went and bought two uh, MDF boards to just make a makeshift gaming table. He bought a tub of terrain and a mat down. And so we just set up a set up a board on the dining table in the house. And yeah. Um, and then you turned up and Jordan um, came over later as well. And um, yeah, I think they played a game and then me and Jordan played a game later and ended up just doing a barbecue on the Friday night, which was nice. I think Anthony and Ken came over as well. So yep. um, went and helped set up at the venue on the Friday um, in the afternoon. That only took 45 minutes, to be honest. It was good. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just enjoyed the time chilling out. Um Thursday, Friday, like had two good days of just having fun and relaxing and not having anything to do, like not having to paint my army because I'd managed to finish it up on the Gold Coast and, um, and yeah, just just enjoying a drink or, or five, and <laughs> um, playing some games and hanging out with friends. Um, that was cool. Um, before the event even started. Yeah, that's what it's um, all about, eh? <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it was just yeah, just really nice to have that time. Um, hanging out 
kind of it was my first time away from the baby as well so it was it was weird I felt a bit like an absentee father um <laughs> but it was nice as well to not have to worry about it for a few days yeah definitely. um but yeah so should we talk about the main event the weekend that we'll, yeah definitely we'll like with. I one thing I loved about the weekend was um just the it the family sort of vibe of the running like with um because Adam had his um wife and um in-laws and his parents were there and stuff as well they're helping to run everything behind the scenes so it just had this great sort of community sort of family uh vibe behind all which I really really liked really warmed up to that it was um yeah quite cool like that uh, I wouldn't say quaint small country town vibe <laughs> I don't want to patronize anybody it's just it just had a real nice quaint welcoming... small country town vibe yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um no like it was yeah you know everyone knows what I mean but um it was just a great feeling there and um a, a smaller tournament 42 people which yeah. I think is a really good uh, sweet spot um and yeah I, yeah, I think I've heard a lot of people saying recently, actually, the kind of 30 to 50 player tournaments are actually maybe the right, they're the most fun. Because once you get bigger than that, you get the hype of it being big. But when you actually look back on the weekend, you're like, oh, I hardly talk to anyone. And it's yeah. so massive that the organisers are like, you don't even get to talk to the TOs much because they're frantically trying Flat to get out. all these results yeah. in and stuff. Mm. And I think you're right, like, 40 players, it felt like, it still felt like a big event. Like, there's a good 20-odd tables, it's a big hall. Yeah. Um, But you did generally feel like you probably talked to most people, if not everyone. Yeah, like, talked to people who I'd seen around um, for quite a while and then finally had a chance to actually say, hey, you know, how you going? Seen you around, feel like I know you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was good. Yeah, for me, I, I, I think it was finally got some time to chat to most of the um, Dwellers Below guys. Um, obviously, I've, I've met Smorgan before and I played him at Sydney GT, but um, I hadn't really met Nick or um, Chris or, or Lockie, but um, I didn't really get a chance to chat to Lockie, that being said, but I, I did have a chat with Nick and Chris. Um, so it was good to just kind of catch up with them. Yeah, yeah, um, I got, I got stuff, a chance though. to yeah, sort of meet Chris and admire his um his orcanauts. Army. Yeah, they're really cool. I had a chat to him about it as well. Yeah, they're really yeah. nice, they're really nicely converted army. Yeah, um, fantastic. And... Yeah, and um, yeah, like I uh, met Sam for the like, first time. Sort of tricky. Sam said good day, and um, yeah, I don't think I didn't get to meet Lockie or Nick this time, but that's all right. Well, I'm sure we'll cross cross paths again at some point. But um, also uh, met um, Joel. Graham from the Measure Gaming Boys, like we uh, sort of touched base a bit there. And, um, yeah, just sort of played – all the people I played were, except for my first game, were all new people who I'd never played before. So uh, that was a real bonus for me too. Like it's always good to go and play new new faces and meet new people. So make new friends. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Well, with that, should we roll into and do a bit of an overview of our games? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Do you want to do your game one? Yeah, I'll kick off the game one. So I, my first game was uh, uh, with um, Andrew Bigwood, the man himself. Uh, he had this uh, beautifully painted um, mixed destruction army. Uh, so I'll just uh, go through what he had. So he had, like, lots of giants and stuff. I'm just going to bring up his list. Yeah, so he had a, a tyrant. He had uh, two butchers. He had a huskard on Stonehorn and... He had a hunter and a firebelly. For his um, battle line, he had six ogres, three ogres, ten savage orcs, 
Then he had four Frost Savers, three Man Eaters, which, by the way, were just like each individually, like were just works of art on their own, like heavily converted. Um, and he also had an El Guzzler Gargent and the Revnex Gnashing Jaws, which actually did make an appearance in, in that game, which is um, luckily for me, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, with the first... Uh, my list was Nagash. I uh, had a Necromancer Vampire Lord, uh, three into ten Chain Rasps, ten Hex Rays, six Spirit Hosts, and I took the Spell Portal um, and... I think that's it. Another endless spell. I can't remember. Oh, Ethelwood Pendulum. So there were the two lists. Um, yeah, we drew and up. That, I can't remember. Did that put you on 1950? 1950, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you get a command point up your sleeve as well. Yeah, and I gave my Necromancer the Ether Quartz brooch. But, um, yeah, I kind of went into this tournament uh, inexperienced with Nagash, which was to my detriment, really. But um, I, I painted him up for, you know, to get him, get him out there and um, get some painting love and, yeah, just... It's Nagash, so it's he's iconic. So um, I had been playing it with an Arkan list leading up to it, which I was actually sort of finding a real comfort comfort in and having a lot of fun playing. Uh, in hindsight, maybe I should have taken the list I was more experienced in and was practiced in. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was Nagash, so I, did, I, yeah. did, I had to do it. <laughs> you had to get you had to do a list with him in to finally yeah. get him done. Crack so. that, you know, crack my cherry, uh, <laughs> you know, break him in, sort of thing. So. <laughs> Um, but anyway, the first scenario was Starstrike. Uh, there were Realm Effects in effect. Uh, well, there was Dazzling Glow for this one, so subtract one from hit rolls made for attacks that target units that are in cover. Well, yeah, I was really... going to say we should, that's probably one thing we should quickly check off because it covers all the games, is that they decided to um, do Realm um, Realmscape features, not Realm Commands and not Realm Spells. Um, and they chose one feature for each game, and the event took place solely within Hish and Ulgu for the whole yeah. weekend. So I think the first three games were in Hish, and then the last yeah. two were in Ulgu. That's correct. Um, and then it, yeah, and like I say, they just chose um, specific Realmscape features that weren't too crazy um, yeah. f- to try it out. Um, and I think some people used them, some people didn't. Um, I tend but, to yeah. actually. Like I'm like I'm a narrative sort of player at heart, but I'm sort of feeling like in match play, um, listening to Adam's uh, podcast with um, Clint this earlier this week. Like, yeah, I think this the the realm effects are having. I know a lot of a lot of time people just forget. I, I often forget. Like in, in some of my games, we didn't remember them until our second turn or third turn. We're like, oh, that's right, or we'd miss the the moment and forget about it. We just go, oh, we'll just move on, sort of thing. But um, like they, if if you remember to use them, they can they can affect. But this this particular one was, uh, yeah, like units are in cover that we didn't have a lot of our units in cover because we just wanted to go and bash each other, <laughs> pretty much. So yeah, um, but it was Star Strike. So in the through the course of our game, um, all three of the stars landed on my right flank. So <laughs> all three of them were over there. So it was just sort of like this this rush for that side. And um, yeah, it was sort of took out his our guzzler. Uh, took out a whole you know, bunch of other stuff, but it just my army and my experience with that army, I guess, like really cost me the game. It was very, very close right up. It's you know, Andrew and I, um, this was a grudge, a grudge match as well. We played uh, the last tournament at the Anzac Cup, and yeah, so we had a really close game there too. So it was good to have 
kick off the event with a, with a really close game. So in the end, um, those ogres and their damage output was just uh, too much for me to, to bear, and he was able to cap the objectives um, and uh, score up in the last couple in the last turn. So he he pulled out the major there. So um, congratulations, Andrew. Always a pleasure playing against you, and uh, hopefully we play again soon. And uh, well done on that beautiful army. Um, Eighth edition army that he'd rebased. I think he painted up one unit of Savage Orcs uh, to add to it. And it really carried over into Age of Sigma wonderfully, and he did really well at the tournament too. So, uh, big ups to you, mate. Did um, Nagash Hand of Dust anything off? Uh, not in this game. Oh, I don't okay. think he did. I can't. I I think he. Oh, I can't remember. No, I don't think he did. I would have remembered if I'd done something like that. But um, I I think I failed to cast cast it or something. Like I had I was having some real bad luck um, with and sort of. Using the spell portal and things like that was kind of, yeah, inexperienced. So I wasn't, I wasn't really refined in that play until maybe like game three, where it's really started to kick in. I was like, okay, now I know what I need to do. <laughs> so okay. yeah, and I sort of fucked up a bit with one of the rules. Uh, so I was dispelling, trying to dispel the spell portal with my necromancer, and you only need a five, and I was thinking I had to beat it. So I was rolling you know, less than six. And I think I rolled, I know I rolled a five in there in some of my turns. It just really hampered my, yeah, just really hampered the strength in my, in my army. I think uh, not being able to dispel. The, the, yeah. Cause the, you can't spell get any I should just like, I realized I just, just use, a, use, use one of Nagash's spells, just dispel it, recast it. Off you go. Like it's Nagash, Nagash, done, done. Don't worry about it. Like I just had this thing in my head. I needed to do it with a necromancer and failed, you know? <laughs> so it was, to be fair, it doesn't matter. If you yeah. do it with the ne- if anything, you probably oh, well, do. Yeah, it you probably do want to do it with the necromancer because Nagash doesn't get any bonuses to um, dispel. True. He just yeah, gets it's the bonuses yeah. to unbind and yeah, cast because you don't get you can't um, stack any modifiers onto your to unbind not in legions. So you're better off actually using the necromancer, giving up his cast to try and um, yeah. dispel what's already on the table, and then just need to roll with, high enough because <laughs> then you've got all because Nagash can cast the Necromancer's two spells anyway with his bonuses to cast. So absolutely, yeah, you're better yeah. off trying to do it that way anyway. But yeah, trying to no, like trying to beat it on a five when you're rolling a five and thinking you failed when actually you've succeeded every time. Yeah, yeah. But like you say, it's your, it was literally what your first game with the army with Nagash. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't I hadn't practiced. I, I was applying the same principles because the army was pretty much a swap out with uh i had the lords of sacrament battalion so i was pretty much swapping that out putting the gash in and reducing some of my battle line to make up the uh to reduce the points to fit it all in sort of thing but my my sort of tactic with um spirit hosts and the hex rays being supported by characters uh for the death save and all that sort of stuff and using them to get out there and uh, cause roadblocks, capture objectives, and things like that. That's all sort of was still in place. It was just sort of more or less clumsy with Nagash because I hadn't, um, I'd only played one game with him before then. That was like a year beforehand at a, you know, just a fun game with um with um Mike Thompson. So yeah. Anyway, um, but those ogres that he had, they just kick out so much damage. Mm. It's crazy. I was ignoring a lot of the rend, um, but yeah, they were just. It's, it's a great army, great to play against, and thanks, Andrew. How about um, your first game, mate? Yeah, so mine was a feck off. Um, <laughs> my first game playing against um, Matt Jan, who thinks a fairly new player to the scene. Yep. So um, that was nice to 
get to play someone new that I've never met before or heard of. And Matt was a really nice guy and we kind of were just chatting through the game and um, immediately just like um, when even when we placed our channel thrones right at the start, he placed his from 12, within 12 of his backboard edge and I placed mine up the side and kind of straight away had that conversation saying, yeah, like I'm noticing a lot of people are placing it from their backboard edge, but there's nothing saying you can't place it off the side, mm. which I I always do because it means I don't have to keep my arch regent back. I can run him forwards on turn one. So I'm not I'm not kind of shortening my spell ranges essentially, um, trying to keep him for the summoning at the end of my first movement phase. Um and Matt was like, Oh yeah, I'll probably start doing that actually, so that's cool. And um I was actually kind of worried about his list because um he didn't have um he didn't have Gristle Gore, which was nice, because that's what I was worried about. Um because <laughs> I've got an entirely combat army. Um and then but he did have double dragon blister skin. Um so it's all got the plus moves. Uh and yeah, kind of having the the terrorgeist and the zombie dragon. And then he had crypt horrors instead of whereas I've got the flayers. But I was actually more worried about crypt horrors like going into my flayers than my flayers going into his horrors because the like both units have the same save. It's only a five up, so it's not great. But mm. the horrors, because they're damaged too. Um I actually think they like six horrors, I think if he got his spell off would go through nine flayers. Yeah. So even though I had the bigger unit size, I was kind of like, oh, I have to be careful that he doesn't charge into me here. Um, but yeah, so his, um, it was interesting as well because we both had, oh, sorry, no, he didn't have blister skin. That's right. He had no court. It was a complete mirror. So he had no court with feast day, grand delusion as well. Same as ah, me. Okay. Yep. Um, so both of us were able to do the free pile in once per player turn without a command point each, as long as there was heroes in range. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're playing Star Strike. The Realmscape effect didn't really come into play. I used it a little bit later on in the game. Um, the middle objective literally came down in the middle of the board and we had a big kind of tower type mountain thing there. Uh, so I flew some flares onto it and was like, okay, well, they're in cover. So they've got plus one save. It happened to be mystical. So they then had a six up extra save and they were then minus one to hit with Dazzling Glow. So I was like, oh, actually, they're probably quite tanky there now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he his full list he had a Crypt Haunter Courtier as the general to make the horrors battle line, um, and then he had um, with Dark Acolyte, which makes him a wizard. So basically, the exact same thing that I do in my list, apart from he's gone for the Haunter and I have the in, uh, the Infernal. So he's he's got the horrors, I've got the flares. Uh, then he had the Abhorrent Ghoul King on Royal Zombie Dragon, like I have, but he's had a Griff Feather Charm. So plus one move, minus one to hit. Love that one. Uh, with Razor Clawed, which is the trait you'd expect, so the extra rend. Yep. Then he had the Ghoul King on Terrorgeist with the Grim Garland, so the minus two bravery to help out with the screams, which is nasty. Yep. Um, and Gruesome Bite, obviously, for reroll hits on the on the bite, which is what you'd expect. And then he had an Arch Regent. Um, then six horrors, three horrors, ten ghouls. And then he'd allied in two units of five direwolves as well, just for some fast objective grabbing bodies that are really cheap. Mm-hmm. And then he had the Quicksilver Swords and the Abattoir Battalion, um, just as a cheap battalion that it can... It didn't do anything all game, but it's a cheap battalion that lowers his drops, gets him a command point and an extra artifact. Um, so yeah, I, I looked at it and thought it's actually quite a good list because he's got like more kind of units than me in terms of he's got more chaff. 
and yeah. he has double dragon. Um, so I was kind of wor- I was kind of worried I might go down turn one, but um, <laughs> he uh, it pretty much came down to I think his first turn charge to be honest, um, and yeah, it was first turn or second turn I can't quite remember. Uh, I think maybe it was second turn because I think um, I gave away priority and he shuffled forward a bit, and I then in my turn shuffled forward a little bit, but didn't want to go too close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then turn two, I think I I gave it away. And then he charged, he charged me with uh, the two dragons, and I'd basically deployed in a way that I had the six, my six flayers kind of wrapping my um, zombie dragon and everything else. So he he'd get within three on the second pile in if he went through the six flayers in one. So I was basically hoping he wouldn't quite kill all six flayers with the first pile in so that he'd then waste the second pile in also just finishing off the flayers and not being able to get my dragon. Yeah. Um, and then I'd be able to strike back against the other one. And literally it's what happened. I think I had one flare left with maybe two wounds Oof. after, <laughs> after the first pile in from his dragon that came in. So then he used the second pile in to take it off. So I'd lost my six flayers, but it was then my turn and he hadn't killed my, my he hadn't killed my zombie dragon. So then I did two pylons into his Terrorgeist that hadn't attacked yet and took it off. And then I knew it was my turn because of giving away priority. So then in my turn, I was able to do two pylons into his zombie dragon with my zombie dragon and take that off. <laughs> so um, were there any objectives in this game or was it just zombie dragon, double pylon, zombie dragon, well, double pylon? <laughs> the objective didn't come down till turn two. And, and you already killed each, and- most of each other before the... Before oh, I had my down. I had my unit of nine flares on the other side of the board, and he had his six horrors, three horrors, the courtier, five wolves, and ghouls all on that side of the board as well. Um, but basically, I was like, "Oh, I, yes, okay, I've won. I've managed to kill his two dragons. I've kind of got the left." But he had loads more bodies than me because he had a lot more ghouls and the horrors and stuff on the right. And I was like, "Oh, hmm." If and then his the objective in the middle of the board, like I say, drop slap bang in the middle. Um, and then the left hand mine dropped on my left, which was where he'd come in and I'd killed his dragons. So that was secure for me, but then his dropped in the far right where he had all of his stuff. So that was pretty yeah. secure for him. Uh, but my, my <laughs> nine flares happened to me. <laughs> my, uh, my nine flares was sitting opposite it. And I was kind of going, oh, I don't know if I want to send my nine flares into that because I don't know if I'll kill it. And then I think they'll get killed. Um, and then I kind of just went, what am I doing in this scenario? If you control two, you win. So then I think I surprised him by, I'd basically claim the middle objective with just my three flares. And then what I did was I ran those three flares back to hold my far left one. Cause I knew it wasn't going to challenge that. And then I just took the nine flares and instead of going for his objective, I just flew them to the middle and completely encircled it. So that all of them were, all of them were on the terrain. So that whole unit of nine was plus one save, mystical, minus one to hit, wrapping yeah. the object, wrapping the objective, and put the courtier and the Vargo off, off there, and then basically flew the zombie dragon up towards the middle to support. And then if he came towards me, the zombie dragon was able to just chomp through like the twenty ghouls he sent. Um, but I decided to do that at the end of round two, and then the star strikes fell. And then he had his turn before I did anything. And he obviously went, oh, I need to bunker down on mine, which mm-hmm. was perfect because I'd already decided I was going to ignore it. 
So he ran everything of his pretty much even further back into his corner, further away from the other two objectives. And I was like, okay, this is fine now because then I just ignored it and went for the middle and mine. And then after that, he was like, oh, yeah. So then he kind of tried to push forward, but actually the zombie dragon just came through, made a charge, killed it, and then made a charge. And I think by the end of it, I'd, I hadn't tabled him because he still had one dog left from one of the units. <laughs> and I think he still had his... Oh, and he still had a summoned Vargolf as well off to one side. But other than that, I did manage to kill everything. So I think I got 2,300 kill points. <laughs> nice. And Good he start. got... <laughs> He got 700 off me, which was for the six flayers. I uh, can't actually remember. I think he might have gone through. He must have gone through the. No, he can't have gone through the zombie dragon. Um, he killed a Var- oh, Vargolf three flayers. Or the Vargolf, the arch. No, the Vargolf, arch regent and the six flayers. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Um, so that's that's what he killed, but yeah, in the end, it was pretty solid to me. It was um, what have we got? Eighteen. It was twenty six fifteen. So um, yeah, but it was a really it was a really fun game. Um, Matt was a really nice opponent. Um, really just yeah, great way to start the weekend. Yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, my game two was uh, my first game against uh, some of the measured gaming lads. So there was a, a crew of, the, of those guys down there for the weekend and um, come up from uh, Bendigo. And uh, so I played a young man named Corey Balhaz uh, with his Disciples of Zinch Army. So he was um, he was packing a Lord of Change, a Demon Prince, Zangor Shaman, and he had 30 pink horrors, 10 pink horrors, Ten pink horrors, uh, six Zangor enlightened on discs, and he had a spell portal as well. So, so as a Nagash versus a lot of change sort of scenario. Um, the actual battle plan itself was total commitment. Uh, the realmscape feature was speed of light. So that's the start of the move phase. On a six, you can pick a friendly unit, remove from the battlefield, and set up anywhere on the battlefield more than nine, and from enemies and counts as the move. So. I don't think either of us tried to give that a crack. I think we just forgot about it and then we were already sort of in, embroiled in our own little schemes and strategies. Yeah. It's um yeah, so it had been a while since I'd played played a Zinch army. It was quite it was refreshing to play Zinch until he brought out a bucket of um of um, blue horrors and started stumbling <laughs> up them all over the fucking board. And then you were horrified. Yeah, uh it was absolutely disgraceful. Should be ashamed of yourself, Corey. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, there was some fun moments in that. So we probably my the most memorable part of that game for me was the uh, Dread Warden, the Chain Rafts champion. He was uh, I was sort of holding the my left objective with the Chain Rafts and and uh, <laughs> basically just my. My spirit hosts and my hex rays were just being speed bumps to his horrors, and I did. I, did, I killed a bunch of his stuff. Um, he killed, obviously, killed my stuff back. And but yeah, in the end, just he just kept clocking up all these um, these summoning points. I can't. I, I'm not sure how the blue horror works. and brimstone horror points. Yeah, just he was just clocking them up, and he was counting them up um, as we went. And it was, I was just thinking, oh my god, what's going to happen here? And then yeah, he, he literally picked up this. His uh, carry case and it was just full of like it was just pile a pile of blue horrors pretty much. But <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but 
not got no chance here. So I just thought, fuck it, whatever. And then there was just this fun moment between the Dread Warden and the Demon Prince on the left-hand objective. They were kind of duking it out for a bit and, like, the, not even a dragon, sorry, not even a Demon Prince of Zinch could kill that Dread Warden. <laughs> he just kept tanking out, just kept making his saves, chipping down the wounds. It was, it was pretty funny. But, yeah, this is, that was probably my little takeaway from that game. Um, yeah, so yeah, thanks, thanks for the game, Corey. It was it was ridiculous. Um, I was you know I couldn't get the that side out of my mind. But I think we we ran out of time for the game. But we did surmise that it was just he was like, well, if we get if we had more time, we kept going. I would have done this, this, this. And it was basically just would have covered the board in blue horrors. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, fuck you, man. I'm out. <laughs> nah, it wasn't wasn't quite like that. But yeah, uh, so that was my game two, another major loss. So I was getting a little bit. I was getting a little bit down by this stage. It's like, well, it's not a good start. <laughs> but, um, I had my butt kicked. Well, the first game was really close with Andrew, but the second game I was like, it wasn't complete um, wipe. It, it didn't table me or anything like that, but it was definitely I just could not deal with the amount of bodies he was able to to have at his disposal. So, um, yeah, them's the breaks. Yeah, you don't you don't really have anything in that list that just goes through chaff. Like spirit mm. hosts and stuff are actually you've got lots of kind of mortal wound output. You're probably better up against yeah. and lo- lots of ethereal and then the gash. Like you're probably better off against elite stuff rather than especially with hand of dust. You're yeah. better off against small elite armies rather than hordes and hordes and hordes yeah. of blue horrors. Well, in hindsight, I should have been more aggressive with Nagash and just sent him towards the Lord of Change. Because yes, yeah. if I could, if I was able to take out a lot of change properly and use my tools properly, which I was still kind of getting trying to get a grasp on by that stage, so I had the spell portal as well, and should have been going towards him to try and get a portal over and just try and get some hand of dust action happening on that lot of change, and that would have totally negated his whole blue horror summoning mechanic. So yeah, um, that was my, the mistake I made in hindsight. So I know what to do next time. So I think just go for the big guy, so have a have a have a big battle between the lot of change and the gash, and just see how it goes. Yeah, um, and that's the thing, right? Even if he does unbind, he can only unbind two. And when a gash casts eight spells, sure, you can go, okay, well, you don't want to get hand of dusted, but you kind of can know he's going to save an unbind for my hand of dust yeah. or my spell portal or potentially both. But then it means you know that you're free to do everything else. So you can kind of position the gash in a position to like be like have a really horrible soul harvest or something like that. And then he's got he's got to decide actually, crap, maybe I need to stop that or yeah, is he going to hand a dust me off or set up a spell portal? And yeah, it's that's the thing with Nagash. He's at the end of the day, he's eight hundred points versus a three hundred point Lord of Change. Like, yeah, you've got, you've got to trust in Nagash to be able to take on a Lord of Change. I think. Yeah, I think I should have. If, also, all these should have, would have, could have, but um, yeah, that speed of light probably would have come in handy. I think if I'd remembered to use it, um, just on a six, getting a gash on the other side of the board just get him in the back lines and um hopefully he just goes off <laughs> yeah so it might have been that probably would have ended in tears as well so anyway <laughs> these are the thoughts i have <laughs> Nah, you just it's yeah it's just the same thing with any new army you, it takes a few games to kind of get your eye in yeah so just had to i was doing it on on the fly at a tournament <laughs> that's fine <laughs> not the best strategy but anyway it was fun <laughs> that's all the maz yeah that's why we play this game, right? Is it? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's oh. what I thought anyway. Oh, right. Okay. For fun and swords. That's really? why we play. Uh, yeah, for, for swords. It's for the glory. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so my second game, I was pretty happy to see that I was drawn against Smorgan. So um, we got to play again after having faced off at Sydney GT, where yep. my Sylvaneth were victorious against his Daughters of Cain. Yep. Um, so I think, yeah, he was keen for a rematch. I was very happy to be playing someone like Sam that is very tight and meticulous with his plays, movement and stuff like that as well. Like, it's always nice to mm. know that he don't necessarily have to kind of be watching that your opponent isn't even if it's not necessarily like intentionally trying to gain the extra inch or two here and there it's some people you can just go oh yeah that's that's 14 and when you actually have looked at measurements and stuff it might be 16 that something's actually moved and suddenly it turns a 10 inch charge into an 8 inch charge things like that that can have a big impact so it's just nice knowing I was playing against Sam he's a very tight player um so yeah he had his uh his his interesting pride of Zandri mixed order, um, mixed order filth, which uh, he won the jankiest narrative army. Yeah, award. <laughs> bit of a bit of a mixed bag. So his list was a, a free guild general on Griffin with as the general with strategic genius, uh, which I think just gives him a command point, um, and then doppelganger cloak. So obviously he can't be attacked until he's attacked, mm-hmm. uh, and then. It, Aether Chemist, a Knight of Zeros, and a Knight Heraldor. And they had 10 free guild archers, 20 Arcanaut Company with six light skyhooks, and 20 dwarf uh, Dwarden warriors with double-handed axes and shields. Uh, so that was his battle line. And then he had a unit of 12 Endrin Riggers with two Grapnel launchers. So everybody else had saws. And then 10 Evocators with staves. Um, and that's 2,000 points on the nose. So it's definitely like he's got lots of tools um and it was interesting because it was actually in a free city um i think it's hollow heart um no tempest eye which gives all of the units plus two move in the first battle round or plus four move if they fly and it gives them plus one save yeah, right. in the whole first battle round so is that a firestorm um, allegiance ability yeah it's a yeah. firestorm c hmm. um so it's actually really good like the griffin is super fast with plus four move. And also those 12 Endrin Riggers become move 16 and three up saves on the first battle round. Nice. And he's got the Aether Chemist in the list, obviously, so that he can augment the swords. And with 10 of them having swords with the champ, he gets 21 attacks that are threes and twos, Ren 2, damage D3. Wow. um, That he can hurl. Yeah, I mean, they can move 16... So in any of the 18 away scenarios, he doesn't even need the grapnel launchers to get into the front lines. Um, and then in the ones where if someone tries to backboard edge, he can still, they're just shooting themselves in the foot by backboard edging and he can just fly across the table anyway. So um, super fast. Uh, and then if anything hits him, he could probably just, he can put the dwar- like the Dwarven Warriors in a line. He's got the archers that make the move before the start of the game the first battle round as well so he can push people out that would try and drop drop in on him and stuff like that so yeah he's obviously thought about the list it's quite clever um it's got it's got some tools the um the heraldor can let the uh evocators run and charge or and retreat in charge as well for later on in the game i think so he can hit people and then suddenly move quite quickly potentially yeah. with command point runs and stuff like that so yeah it's um and the Azeros gives him rerolls. Now it's not just in the shooting phase, it's shooting and combat. So he flies him forward on the first turn, gets him in range as well, so that the uh, the saws from the Endrin Riggers ones are threes, threes rerolling ones, wow. and then twos. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, um, I put 
most of my army, I pretty much did the same deployment in every game, to be honest. So it was the six, three, the six and the three flares off to one side, usually with the six probably wrapping or near to the zombie dragon, and then the arch regent on the same side, ready to run up and be in range to get within one of my channel throne, which I'd put from the side of the board. Um, so I'd always deploy him first because my opponent, as soon as I've placed the throne, knows where he's going. So it doesn't really matter. I'm not giving anything away. And then on the other side of the board, I'd put my nine flayers and the crypt infernal. And then generally I'd summon a Vargolf off on the board edge with them. And then probably the other Vargolf on the other side to support the six and the three. Um, but yeah, so I kind of, I did that. He put his riggers fairly central and then I kind of had put the nine flares on my front line to sort of bait him in, hoping that he wouldn't kill nine flares with his riggers in a turn. And then I'd go back and eat him. Um, and basically, yeah, he took the bait. He, uh, he shot the whole unit with all of the Arcanauts mm-hmm. as well, and all six, all six sky light skyhook shots hit on fours, re-rolling ones, and then wounded on threes. And at Ren two, my five up save, I didn't get one, so I immediately in the shooting phase took sixty three, which I was then worried about because I think he killed two, two and a bit, and I was like, oh, here we go, because then he came in grapnel launched made like made his grapnel launch so he was three away with the big unit of riggers but he couldn't get into my character because i think he only rolled a five or something to charge um and then but got the whole unit in and then yeah 21 attacks um three three roll ones ran two he rolled a lot of twos to hit fortunately for me um (laughs) and then basically he he went all the way down to one flayer and I had my command point in my bank, so I knew I was just auto-passing my battle shock. And uh, then, yeah, basically, over the next few turns, I started to regrow my flares, do my dead watch pile in. Um, and, yeah, because I think I got two. I think I only got two back, so I had three at the end of my first turn. But I'd summoned my Vargolf up to the side and brought him in for the charge, and I also charged the Infernal in. And in meant i had three pylons anyway with the dead watch and then two in the combat phase so <laughs> i was like i chewed through the 1200 riggers no problem in my turn um and then yeah kind of after that he sent his griffin in as well which failed its charge actually i think he needed a nine and i think he rolled an eight and he didn't want to use the command <laughs> point um to re-roll it and then so in my turn i sent the dragon and the six flares into and maybe even the three flares all into the griffin because i was basically just trying to have enough units that i could activate um i charged loads of stuff that's why i charged the vargolf and everything in so that i basically wanted him to have to use his doppelganger cloak guy so yeah. that he couldn't waste any of my attacks which happened so then he had to attack me i think he went for the i think he went for the zombie dragon and put maybe eight or nine wounds on it um and then it ate him uh, and so yeah kind of after after my turn two it was um it was looking pretty good um because i gave him um no i took sec i won the priority and took second turn and just pushed up 
because it let me heal back my flares and then just push up on him and basically from that his his alpha hadn't worked and then from there we kind of knew i just i pushed forward my nine flares had killed his riggers and then basically just flew up and took out the 20 arconauts in a turn and then positioned for next turn to take out all 20 of the dwarf warriors and the chemist on that side meanwhile the zombie dragons six and three flares had pushed up on the other side and killed the 10 evocators and the heraldor and um that was basically it by i think i tabled him by the end of turn three um and unfortunately for sam he didn't get any kill points yeah take your toys off mate (laughs) so yeah it, it went well for me i i yeah i think if he if he had wiped the nine then it would have been a very different interesting game um but yeah, he didn't quite manage it, which was the plan. That's why the nine was so important. It's got to get um, a bit rolling nines, I guess. Tactical. Yeah, in 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 having the in having the um in having the unit of nine and a unit of six made all the difference from having two units of six, which I knew it would. So um yeah, I was pre- I was pleased I made the change to have a unit of nine because yeah, it it it, it more survivable. It takes quite a lot to mm. get through nine. Yeah, and then what I know can go through nine. I just give I just feed them six, like and. <laughs> counterfeit the double pile-in dragons i know they could kill nine and i don't want them to so i give them my six so they have to use two pile-ins to get rid of the six and then i've got the nine and my zombie dragon to counter strike yeah so uh yeah no it was a good good second game for me so uh another tabling well not another because i didn't quite table map but two thousand kill points and i didn't Oof. give up any crushing so it, was, it. <laughs> it was good <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, um, into round three, first day. So we had, uh, what was that? It was Blood and Glory uh, with Domain of Symmetry and Purity and Wilderness of Broken Dreams. <laughs> I love that, that name. It's basically it minus everyone, one bravery. Everyone's everything. minus one bravery. <laughs> so the first yeah. one was for Chaos, Destruction and Death and Broken Dreams is for Order. So everybody's just a little bit sad in this game. Yeah. <laughs> but um. That's the realm of light for you, I guess. Anyway, um, I played Joel Graham. Um, is very new to the hobby. He uh, this was his first tournament. Uh, it was his first game of Age of Sigma. <laughs> was played in his first round at the tournament. So it was actually his third game of Age of Sigma. That's um, that's what he was. He told me. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Wow, well, I was like, wow. That's that's incredible. You've come to a come to a tournament um, just fresh, straight into a new game. But um, he must I, he must have had some previous gaming experience, but with other systems. But uh, yeah, he came down from I think it was up Bathurst Way, just going off my memory. But uh, he had a Nurgle army, uh, so it was consisted of uh, Archaon, uh, the Glot King. He had Harbinger of Decay, Chaos Sorcerer Lord. Um, and a Lord of Blights, 20 Marauders, 10 Plague Bearers, 40 Marauders. Uh, so that came up at 1980 points. So it was the Arcane, you know, versus Nagash Fest. Uh, so we lined up. Uh, I knew it was going to be tough because uh, he had the 40, that big block of 40 Marauders and 20 Marauders. So I was like, okay, this is going to be hard for me to cap these objectives. But we'll see how this goes. I'll see if I can uh, do some, wreak some carnage with uh, with my army. But... Uh, he decided to take first turn. I was surprised about it. I thought, okay, well, you know, he's probably going to give it to me, but no, he decided to take it. And then he moved Archaon 12 inches across the board, and then he needed a 12 to get him into combat, <laughs> straight into my front line. So what did he roll? 
a 12. <laughs> so I got Archaean full force straight up in my face immediately in the first turn, first battle round. And uh, so I just had to deal with that. And it just came down to just a slugfest between Nagash, the chain rasps, and everything else that I was throwing at, at Archaean. But, um, yeah, I did manage to uh, hand of dust Archaean off uh, the second attempt because he's Archaean's got this ability where on a four-up he can just ignore he magic. The spell, yeah. So it was just crazy. Like I was just throwing every, like a lot of stuff at him, and hand, he he dodged the first hand of dust. Uh, but yeah, I got him on the second one. So as soon as Archaean was off, that's the board, pretty good though. Fucking handed dust Archaean. Yeah, it was it was pretty sweet. <laughs> it was a good feeling, but um, I think yeah, the he'd only done it once before in in that tournament. I think which I did mention in my previous game, but I think he uh, handed dust one of uh, the. Zangor enlightened in the game against Corey. Because oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the enlightened came over and pretty much they came over and reduced Nagash to one wound. And um, then he came back and I sort of had to try and claw Nagash back up with some wounds after that. But anyway, that was the last game. Fast forward to Archaon. <laughs> dead. Uh, yeah, dead off the table. And then it was... Um, the old skeleton touchy-touchy hand. Yeah, yeah. Different, like, literal spirit fingers. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he had this massive block of marauders on that flank and he just, like, was literally just shoving them forward. <laughs> and I was just, I was like, fire out. But, uh, yeah, so he he was, it was going to be no decisive victory. So it just, was just coming down to kill points. So it was just a slugfest um, until we ran out of time. And I managed to take away the uh, the minor win on that, on victory points. Um, I was positioning to capture the other objectives. But, yeah, there was just too many bodies to move in a short amount of time. So it was not going to be a major. But, um, yeah, so it gave me a little little boost, confidence boost. I feel like I'd achieved something with Nagash there by, you know, getting rid of Archaon. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, great to meet you, Joel. Um, yeah, I'll hopefully see you around some more, more tournaments. And, yeah, that was my game three. So you got the win? Got the win, minor win there. So that was nice. after day one, two major losses, one minor win. But a hand of dusted Archaon. But hard, so you've got yeah. to feel pretty good against that. Yeah, had a feel good there. <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, game three for me was against Liam, So which was pretty funny when he saw we were, draw- we were drawn. His yeah. <laughs> reaction was to go lay on the floor with his head in his hands. And I was like, this counts as a concede, right? Because <laughs> uh, he was Gristle Gore, and we'd played two practice games, and we were one apiece. Um, but I did not. Gristle Gore was not really the army I wanted to play because, again, I'm a combat army. I don't have much that can mm. deal with it. Yeah. Um, but second had... feck army as well in the tournament. Yeah, another feck off. Um, mm. but I think we were both on top table at that point, and so we kind of just before the start of the game, we said, "Look, regardless of what's about to happen, well done on getting here, and let's see how we go." Um. I had an idea as soon as I saw what the scenario was in terms of it being um, not Border War. Um, what was the scenario? Um, uh, Blood and Glory. Blood and Glory, thanks, where you have to control all four to get a major. Yeah. Um, with Liam having four big dragons and not a lot else and body count mattering, I was <laughs> my plan was basically to kind of avoid him, sit in the corners for the first couple of battle rounds and then if I could, just try and jump on the four objectives uh, going into it. So we both, and I think Liam kind of knew that as well, we both had quite cagey turn ones. Um, 
where we we shuffled we didn't really do a lot liam was quite cagey with his his threats as well he actually positioned really well like he had his cool king on terror geist general that strikes first on one side with one of his terror geists yep at like in range of one of his terror geists for the command abilities and then on the other side he kind of put the two terror geists either side of the objective but um with the two arch regents in range of them so again if i tried to charge into them with like flares or anything like that every single one of them was in range for him to do the double pile in when they died to try and take me out yeah so i was kind of like oh i don't really want to hit this um but basically i think we both kind of knew we were kind of going to try and play for the the double two into three and i was three drops liam was four so i was able to give away that first turn and then i won the priority turn two so again i was able to give it away so I knew I was setting myself up for the, okay, I'm going to go second in two. And then if I get it, I'll get the two into three and try and kind of close the game. So when I won that turn two priority, Liam knew I was going to give it to him. And he, he was hoping he'd win it so he could give it to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I gave it to him. And then he kind of knew he had to commit because if he didn't commit that round and then I won the priority, I could probably just move in range of all the objectives. Yeah. Um, without engaging him. So he committed in with his Ghoul King on Terrorgeist. He did his summoning, um, which he brought up three Crypt Horrors and the, I think the Vargolf on my backboard edge near my objective, mm-hmm. where he was charging his Ghoul King on Terrorgeist into, where I had my six flares, three flares, Zombie Dragon, and Arch Regent, as we talked about before. Yep. Um, they were all clustered up. It kind of looked like I'd just blobbed them, but having the practice games, I had actually thought a little bit about how to do this. I know my only chance, basically, at taking down his Always Strikes First double pile in general is to group all of my units so close that he ha- comes in range of all of them because he can, he can only do so much damage with the two pile-ins. Mm. Yeah. And I put the six flares out first as the main screen, basically the same thing I'd done against Matt Jan in my first game, where they should take most like you shouldn't wipe out it's 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 dicey whether he wipes the six with one pile in. Um and then basically the hopes that that happens so he can't put all of his attacks and stuff into my zombie dragon behind all my other units. But even if he did and he wiped them, I'd still have even just the three flares plus the arch regent. And knowing I'd be going into my turn, I can do, even if just the three flares survive, I can do two pile-ins in my turn, then a dead watch pile-in. So I get three pile-ins with three flares to try and kill the Ghoul King on Terrorgeist because they aren't that resilient necessarily. Um, but anyway, that was, my, that was kind of my plan. And um, yeah, basically he came in with his souped up, dude and he made the he also made the nine inch charge from the three horrors at the back but he obviously had to go first with the ghoul king on terrorgeist and with the first round of attacks he all but again the same thing happened i think he wiped no he didn't it was the opposite where matt hadn't been able to kill all six in the first pile and liam completely destroyed the first six in the pile-in because he'd got his he got his plus three attack spell off. That's right. He'd got his pl- he'd got the plus three attack spell off and he got plus three 
Yeah. Sorry, plus D3, and he got plus three. So I was like, oh, here we go. But he did fail the five up ward save on his second round, but obviously he, he still sent him in. Um, and he had cogs for rewinding time. So he had a four up rerollable armor save and then plus three attacks on all his profiles. So he sent him in, completely destroyed the six in the first pile in. But then in the second pile in, actually massively fluffed it. Somehow, my. Um, Ghoul King on Zombie Dragon survived. I think he put, I think he put like twelve out of fourteen wounds onto it. Yeah, when he'd just done twenty four to the flayers, like massively overkilled them, and then he he didn't roll like he just didn't get any sixes on the bites, and you like any even with the re rolls he didn't get any sixes the second round. I think he used them up in the first round, and so somehow, and I was not expecting that. I was like, okay. I'm going to have to just do this with my three flayers. And then somehow after his two pylons, my zombie dragon was still alive and I'd got the buffs off it in my turn. And then with two pylons, I took his guy out. And at wow. that point, at <laughs> that point, Liam just went, I- I'm just going to concede. Cause at that point I could go and pick my fights. I could just swoop up, go kill his other thing. And I've got a better army for model count and killing than he does. Once he's always strikes first general's gone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the end of turn two, basically, I managed to survive and kill him back. And yeah, Liam conceded. So I got the uh, I got the uh, major win there at the end of turn two. And full VPs? Yeah, yeah. full VPs again. Plus, yeah, which was a lot with all the summoning, because obviously Liam had summoned on all the stuff with so the two arch regents. Do you remember what your total VPs were after the first day? So after Liam, I got like 2,000... I think I got 2,470 off Liam. So yeah. I think after the first day, I was on 6,780. Jeez. That's <laughs> um, like more than I've ever killed in anything. <laughs> it's like, you know, even halfway, halfway through the tournament. That's uh, awesome, man. Cool. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah um, should we have a quick break there? And then we can kind of talk about wrap up the evening event and go into the next day? Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Okay, so after the game three, we, everyone sort of stuck around uh, for the, the trivia that night. Uh, so Adam ordered a whole bunch of pizzas and, um, oh, failed to mention before as well, lunch was put on for everyone on both days as well. I think we had curries on the first day. We had burgers the next day, like gourmet sort of stuff. It was really delicious. So thanks, Adam, Trav. That was um, that was a, tr- a real treat. Yeah. Um, the curry was a bit of a struggle for me. I'll be honest. I, really? I did not get. I did not. I did not get my butter chicken. I was promised when they asked about allergies. Um, but no, nah, it's fine. I I knew. I knew as soon as I saw curry that I'd uh, I'd have to just kind of bear through that one. Unfortunately, um, I cannot tolerate spice. So uh, even though they're like, oh, this one doesn't have any spice in it, or like, oh no, they did the usual line of, oh, it's not spicy, and I go, no, no, there's a difference between 
it's not spicy and there's no spice in it because trust me my body's about to tell me if there's any spice in this so then i <laughs> i ate the first bit and then immediately feel my throat closing and i'm like oh, okay i need i need to go and get a drink <laughs> so then i uh yeah i uh drank my way through two drinks and very slowly kind of ate around it and ate the rice uh, ate the rice basically over the next hour and, um, <laughs> it was fine oh. i just drank it was fine I went straight for the green curry. I was like, give it to me. Lay it on That's me. That's what I had. I had the green because <laughs> it was that or the other one. And I tried the other one and that was way, way, way worse. Um, but yes, <laughs> so uh, that was that was fun. But I never eat much at tournaments anyway, to be honest. So it was, it was all right. <laughs> You're just too busy eating the souls and drinking the tears of your enemies. I was drinking a lot actually that weekend. Like It was good. <laughs> I, I, I was. I was probably on my... Ah. <clears throat> uh, no, nah, it was more after game three. I think I started properly getting into the properly. Yeah, that was after game three. Yeah, I think I probably had about four or five. Yeah, it was, once once it was we got jolly. to the yeah once we got to the evening, and then once we by the end of the evening, I think by the time I left, I probably had about nine. Yeah, yeah, nine you, you were very nine or ten ciders. I was in a good mood. You were very quite jovial towards the end of the evening. I don't. I don't normally drink much. And um, well, we I had normally... our three dollar beers and everything. It was oh, exactly. I'd been so looking forward to these <clears throat> genuine nineteen ninety seven prices. Was it ninety five? I don't know. It changed, it changed every time you ask Adam. It changes to be honest. Nineties, nineties prices. I don't think it was well, even that cheap in the nineties. To be honest, it was like yeah, it was like four <clears throat> bucks, four bucks a cider. So yeah, I was drinking my way through. Yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, so we had the quiz. We did have the quiz. We were a team. So it was uh, you, me, Liam, Dan. Uh, who else do we have? Uh, Jordan. Jordan. Was that, that was it? That was our team? Yeah. It was Max Five, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. The team. Five, Yeah. Um, yes, we diligently answered our questions, drew on our deep knowledge and um, and <laughs> and uh, your uh, your ability to be able to look at a, a war scroll matrix and know exactly which well, it, it uh, helped, scroll it, it was it, it helped it helped that they they for a few of the rounds followed a similar format from my quiz at slaughter last year where they did guess that war scroll and yeah took the, the cuts of images and stuff and yeah it does help when you're like me and uh, you look at war scrolls a lot more than you should but um <laughs> and then cool. yeah there was there was old world law which yeah i was guess just pretty model. happy i knew a few we had you 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 got the good like you got uh, the old school Arcan and I yeah, think I got some of the every... juicier, um, some I knew... of the juicier narrative stuff. But the, I think I don't know. I think you guys were pretty much all over, know, all over it anyway. So, them, I think. Yeah, like I sort of I picked a few sort of sweet ones there, which helped boost along. But I think everyone was pretty much. We all had had the same yeah. thing on our all minds. In. So, There's yeah. a question for the free, like what were the free cities from? Oh, the... that was the hard. That was t- that was a tough. It was like one. the seven yeah. free cities. I think most people got like three or four, the same, yeah. as, the same as us. And then there was the last three where we were like, "What?" Yeah. But Liam, <laughs> Liam did his bit, and he was like, "Oh, there's that one. You know the the one like the guy ran one." And I was like, "No, actually, Hamahor Gyra. We've said that." And he's like, "No, no, no." He's like the the guy ran one. I'm like, you said that. And he's like, no, you know where you get like wild woods. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan say used it against me and you get wild. And I was like, oh, the living city. And then we're like, yeah, we've got that right. There it is. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was really cool. Like, um, uh, yeah, we went through destruction order, um, death and, um, chaos sort of theme questions went through all the, yeah. um, grand alliances. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. And we won, we won. 
Boo. Yeah, we did. We won the trivia. We didn't win the tournament. You won the tournament, but we won. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, oh, spoilers. (laughs) No. I've talked I've talked about that sword enough. I think people know. Yes. I think everybody um, knows, Chris. <laughs> um but yeah, no, we won the quiz, which was pretty sweet. So yeah, pretty uh, sweet. I think the guys uh, came runners up in that. Um, I don't know how they didn't win given that they were cheating and looking at their phones, but you know. Oh yeah, that's right. A bit of controversy there. <laughs> I'm calling them out. And then they're like, Oh, it's only a quiz. And I'm like, So why are you cheating? Yeah, I think it was Dan which, was like you yeah. guys could at least make it uh, less He's obvious. Like, oh, you could be more subtle about it. And they're like, dude, it's the quiz. It's the and quiz, then I'm man. like, the fuck so out. why are you cheating? <laughs> yeah, you guys were getting rolled up. It must have been all the beer. You guys were getting like, becoming it's like. Just fun. Oh, it was all in it was all in jest yeah yeah it was like, oh, indignation I was, was... I was totally calling them out for cheating because literally what's the point it's like <laughs> well done you're the best at google i don't get it like how you could get any any satisfaction from cheating at a quiz but yeah. um anyway we we won yeah as is right as is right with the world yeah <laughs> and then um so we got out of there about nine-ish i think it was when it all kind of wrapped up in the hall um full of pizza war stories beer yeah, we all had Cider. Hawaiian pizza. Liam's oh, yeah. favorite. Oh, Liam was like Liam's favorite. Shit over um pineapple. Yeah. Like he was literally like. Yeah, he actually was getting angry. Was serious. Where everyone was, was like, yeah. Liam, sharp. <laughs> it's pineapple on a pizza. You yeah. can't be this angry about it. He's, if, he, if, he's, if you're listening now, Liam, you you are raging right now, aren't you? He is because it is his favorite pizza. Triggered, and that will have just made him angry. <laughs> Every time I say it, it will keep making him angry, which is why I'm going to keep saying it because he keeps just biting pineapple pictures. He keeps biting on that delicious pineapple pizza. Everyone just like start tweeting Liam pictures yeah. of pineapples or Hawaiian pizzas. That would be greatly appreciated. Please Thank do. Shadowhammer should change his Twitter handle to at Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in all seriousness, I did just eat Hawaiian pizza and it was very nice. It was good. Yeah, um, just the right amount too. Because left to my own devices, I'll eat a whole pizza. But um, we yeah, were, they made you just buy by the slice. It was like what two bucks a slice. Bucks so a I slice. thought, yeah, yeah. okay, I'll buy like three slices, and yeah, that was it. I think they had three left in a box. They gave me the box, and yeah. But like you say, otherwise, if we just ordered our own pizzas, I'd have been like, yeah, I'll have my own pizza. Yeah. But I didn't need it. I barely yeah. got through the three three slices to be honest. So yeah, yeah so we um, we went back to the uh, the Airbnb, which is like this huge house that you that we'd book for the weekend uh so i think i had my own double bed my own bedroom out the front yeah that house was great like the photos did not do it justice it was way bigger it had like a second freaking kids lounge room yeah i I discovered i was i thought i thought i was going to the garage and i was like oh fuck there's another whole there's a whole other room here yeah we had like extra sofas sofas and stuff and yeah and it was actually really warm in there too yeah (laughs) it was yeah it was weird it was like the heating worked in the main lounge room and then was like vector like conducted through the ceiling into that second lounge room but none of the bedrooms or anything yeah. they all i checked the guide later and it said they all had heating in winter and i was like it's freaking cold now i want the heating <laughs> but, um, yes we but went no. back we i think we we watched uh, we played a bit of mortal kombat again yeah uh, <laughs> and I, I i started hitting the the bourbon at that by that stage oh, the canadian club yeah i bought a Bought a litre bottle of uh, yeah. Canadian Club. Well, I actually went to the bottle on the way back and um, got a bottle of Maker's Mark. So, I... Oh, did you? I didn't even I, know I didn't you know through I that. Just, yeah, I, I didn't go through I, all of it. I went through I got about back on the guava. Got, yeah, you got, got back on the guava cruises. <laughs> a, few, a few guava cruises. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think then you crashed out. I think you just conked out. 
you're cooked. And no, just... I stayed up till everyone went 11? to bed. Was it? Okay. No, we, was we, we kicked on, like, um, Dan and I and, uh, and Jordan, we kicked on for a bit longer playing Mortal Kombat for a bit. And I think it was about one or something when by the time we went to bed. Poor choices. Uh, mistakes were made. Uh, but there we go. <laughs> Still, a little, like I did the thing that I, I've tried to stop doing at tournaments, which is rock up hungover. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I achieved that on the first day, but the second day I was a little bit dusty. But, um, no, it was great. That was the thing. That was why I drank so much that weekend, because every day I just felt great. I was drinking <laughs> loads, but I just felt great. I just kept drinking. Well, I'm, I'm pretty much an alcoholic, so polishing <laughs> off that bottle, polishing off, like not a whole bottle of Maker's Mark. If I'd done that, I, there's no way I would have made it there, but... Uh, just it was just enough to tip me over into the into the un- uncomfort zone the next day. But just putting it mildly. <laughs> but um, anyway, we we do what we do. This is how we roll. But yeah. So but, um, what day is it? Two. Uh, day two, game four. First up for me for the day was uh, Michael Clark, a gent from uh, down. Uh, I think it's from Geelong. I think he's yeah, he's from Geelong. Um, he had a mixed order list, uh, so he took the Tenebral Shard with the Sword of Judgment. That was his general with the legendary Fighter Command trait. So he had a stack of attacks coming at, um, yeah, aiming. He was basically aiming that, looking for the moment to aim that uh, shard, Tenebral Shard at, at Nagash. So yeah. a little bit worried about that, but I was able to sort of mitigate it, I guess. But um, he had two anointed um, Assyrian on Frostheart Phoenixes. Uh, Skink Star Priest and an Archmage, three tens of free good guards, all with swords and shields, and he had two big units, 30, uh, 30 Phoenix Guard, <clears throat> 10 Skinks, five Canary Heart Renders, and he had Geminids as well. So, um, yeah, we had a we had a good game. We, we was The scenario was three places of power uh, with Darkly Shaded, so the maximum range of attacks or spells is 18 inches. So that was um, across all, yeah, attacks and spells. So this game is where Nagash sort of really, I started, really had a better grasp on how to use Nagash. So this game I hand of dusted the Frostheart Phoenix, Frostheart Phoenix, uh, the, I think, yeah, once I got rid of them and the Shard, he was able to kill the Shard. He did come down a bit later in the game. Um, But, yeah, it was just, that game was all about just, yeah, hand of dusting those phoenixes, but as soon as they were gone, the threats were reduced. Um, I was able to cap object, like cap the objectives fine. I think he took the left flank one. He was able to kill the vampire lord. I think was on that one, so he was able to take that. Um, but by that stage, I was sort of up enough in points and was chewing through those phoenix guard. But they were they were scary units, so I was just doubling yeah, down. Yeah, really good phoenix guard. Yeah, they were really good. Like that was that was scary, and I was just like, I had to. I was just doubling down on the debuff spells on them just to cripple them and keep them at bay. And <clears throat> heart renders came down a bit later in the game as well. Skinks doing their thing. Geminids just kept smashing my left flank. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think just definitely hand of dust and getting rid of those frost frost hearts and then the shard. Um, in the end, it was just, yeah, able to get up on points and got the major victory there. So thanks, Michael. Good to meet you. Thank you for the game. Um, it's actually quite refreshing because you use actually use the uh, the garrison rules and not many people use those rules. Like they're in the core rules. They're, they're part of the game. But um, he, was gar- he garrisoned uh, a unit in one of the buildings. I was like, you know, that's really cool. I like how you've done that. 
Yeah, right. So, that's basically just where you measure range and line of sight from any point in the building. Yeah, you well. can put a unit yeah. and uh, a unit and a hero can garrison a building, and then yeah, you measure it all from the um, base of the building. Yeah. So and they get plus one of their save, obviously, but um, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool thing to. I'm surprised it doesn't get used yeah. more. I think it's just a lot of the time I don't want to do it though because you yeah. then mean the unit you can then get line of sight to the unit because you draw line of sight to the building, whereas yeah. most of the time I'm hiding behind the building and then they can't see me at all. So I th- yeah, I think that I mean that's why I never use the garrison rules because I don't, I don't think they help. You don't need to, but it it's cool thematically. You, I think what. What did he put in there? Uh, he did put the, I think he had the Tenable Shard hiding in there until he was ready to teleport him. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he had, I can't remember. The, he had another unit in there as well. But, um, yes, yeah, so they, they stayed in there for a little bit and then he brought them up when he needed them. But, um, yeah, beautifully painted, um, real refreshing, playing a mixed order like that. And the Phoenix Guard were uh, painted lovely, as well, I think he had a lot of um, he had some Lord of the Rings models as well for his guard, for his swords and shields um, guardsmen. Oh so yeah, some different some variation uh, to to the models as well. I yeah, I reckon I know the models he would have used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is the uh, Minas Tirith uh, Gondorian uh, models. Oh okay. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, the Phoenix Guard. He had some pretty cool uh, movement trays, so they were. Because he had so many guard, he was moving around, but he had, they were like magnetized, but they had this rod coming up from the center. So all he had to do was just pick that rod up and he was moving his lots. So it was actually really fast yeah, right. uh, moving around. So it was a, quite a cool, quite a clever um, movement tray. So uh, yeah, if I see that around, I might consider picking that up for myself because I've got some ideas for some horde armies coming up. But um, yeah. yeah, just to speed up that gameplay, but I thought they were really clever. But yeah. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> have to look at them. So major win, major so win, first major win of the tournament. Um, that sort of boosts my confidence. Um, I think maybe I play a little bit better when I'm a bit hungover. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have to focus, so I actually play the game better. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just pulling shit out my ass to be honest. But <laughs> it, uh, yeah, so that was my game four. And over to you, Chris. Where was your game four? So my game four was against Charles Black and his Daughters of Cain, which is a very strong army. So he had a Slaughter Queen as the general. Um, it was Hagnar, as you'd expect, and she had the Griff Feather Charm for minus one to hit, plus one move. Yeah. Then he had three Hag Queens on foot, one with the Iron Circlet to let him reroll ones to pray. Um, so interesting, though, he didn't have the Medusa, like Bloodrock Shrine, the Slaughter Queen. He didn't have a Cauldron um, or Morathi. So it was literally just four-foot heroes, like cheap, the hags are amazingly efficient for their points and then just the slaw queen on foot um but in hagnar like to be honest it still gives the buff like and it many could have way more bodies so then he had 30 witch elves with knives and bucklers 10 witch elves knives and bucklers 10 witch elves knives and bucklers then 20 sisters of slaughter with bucklers 20 sisters of slaughter with bucklers and then 10 blood stalkers which are the ones with bows which is interesting to see because to be honest you only ever normally see them as two fives to fulfill a temple nest and even then like they feel like a complete tax. So mm. to just have a unit of 10 was quite interesting, but seeing the list play, I actually think they, they definitely serve a purpose. Yeah. Um, that little bit of ranged poke. 
A bit more, uh, well, more of a rounded list, sort of a bit more. Yeah. Mixed um, yeah. And then five Doomfire Warlocks for his wizard for Mindraiser. And then two units of five Heartrenders in a Slaughter Troop Battalion. So, and the Heartrenders are better than the Life Takers because they're the ones that drop down and then shoot, in my opinion. Um, so that's why he's taking the Slaughter Troop Battalion because um, yeah. you get the heart renders instead of the life takers um and that's the two units of sisters of slaughter so yeah i mean he had a lot of bodies and i mean 50 witch elves and 40 sisters so he had 90 of them all of them had their shields so whenever they make an armor save of a, an unmodified armor save of a six they bounce back a mortal wound at the end of all your attacks um so yeah he had a lot actually in the list and i this was um yeah it's a it's a tough list um the scenario going into it, I think I'd been awake since like 4.30, to be honest. So I was like, oh, well, I'm awake. I've got time. I know my matchup because they posted it on the Friday night. Yeah. So I was like, well, I might as well use the time. So I just kind of went back through the book um, to just double check all my knowledge of everything and all the ranges for all the prayers and the abilities and the spells and stuff. And then um, it was three places of power and he only had the four kind of fairly squishy foot heroes that he wants to keep at the back. Um, but yeah, I basically thought through with the deployments of you have to be 24 apart and the capture range is being three and physically where like, this is where I'm talking about where movement becomes very, very vital in terms of physically going, okay, well playing by the rules of the scenario, if you're 24 apart and you can, even if you've got the ability to run and charge, if you've got no bonuses and you move six and you run six, you've gone 12. The closest you can technically be if both of you deploy right on your deployment line is 12.0001 away because you have to be more than 24 from your opponents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I, was, I didn't say it when you said the Archeon charged you turn one from 24 apart after moving 12 and rolling a 12. He mm. actually can't do that because you have to be within twelve to declare a charge. Yeah, because he wasn't at he wasn't in twelve. He would have been twelve point not 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 one. So okay. well, well. It, it's stuff <laughs> like that, that. I I went through in my head. Yeah, before. that's 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 it. Eh? You have to be within twelve. If you you're have on to be 12, it's 12 not to within declare. twelve, is it? No. Nah. Um, but yes. Anyway, um, <sighs> it's fine. These are the things. <laughs> But this that's the thing, and it's the minutiae of the, the game that I, I had that time to kind of think through, and I went, okay, well, all of his witches run six. They can run and charge, even if he makes a six. If he deploys on his front line and I deploy on my front line, he physically cannot declare a charge at me turn one because we're 24 apart. Yeah. So I was like, I can safely give him first turn. I can deploy on my 12-inch line without needing to bubble wrap. And I can give him first turn because I know he can't charge me yep. with like all the witches and stuff like that. Um, and then the only thing was obviously his hags, they have to be to get within three of the objective as well. If he doesn't deploy them within three of his front line, then he can't, again, physically can't claim the objective because you have to be within three of the middle. And so if he doesn't deploy within three of his front line, even with moving six, running six, he'd be 0.1 or whatever of a millimeter out of range. Yeah. So when, when we were deploying and setting up, I very much was like, 
explaining my army as I do anyway, and I, I said, okay, the zombie dragons bite his three-inch range and everything like that. And mm. so I went through all of this thing, and then when he deployed his hags and stuff like three inches-ish behind his front line, I, I, I said, like, to declare intent, I said, it is are you are you putting it within three of your front line or outside of three? And then he specifically said, outside of three, because I don't want your dragon to bite me. And I was like, great, because that's exactly what I wanted. Because in terms of the scenario, it meant basically turn one was perfect. It was just a free turn for me to throw away, knowing he couldn't do anything against me because he can't charge me. And he couldn't claim the objectives if he set more than three back. So I could just waste his first turn. Yeah. And he'd run forward, which would then help my charges and stuff for my first turn. And I'd had that time to think it through. And I was like, sweet, this is what I can do. This is how I can go into this game plan. And yeah, basically, that's what I did. He ran forward, didn't get on any of the objectives. Couldn't, like, he obviously just shuffled up pretty much to the midpoint, but not quite to the midpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I moved up, just command point, ran my infernal because um, I measured it and to get within three I needed to roll anything but a one I think to run from where I'd set him and then I rolled a one so I had to use a, had to use a precious command point wow. to, six to run but I got him on there flew buffed up the zombie dragon flew him into the middle objective yep. um, and because he pushed up all his models I was able to fight him while still being within three of the objective so yep. I didn't have to waste my zombie dragon's output by sitting on an objective Um. And then I'd basically already gone, okay, the 30 witch elves, I can they can't retreat and charge, whereas the Sisters of Slaughter can. So I was like, I'm going to try and 2.9-inch tag the uh, the witch elves at some point by charging into another unit and leaving one of my flayers within three, but just on the edge of three to limit how many attacks the witch elves can put back into me when they pile in. Um, and basically just kill the Sisters, because I was like, okay, I need to kill the Sisters, because they're the thing that will be problematic, because I can't pin them into combat, and they'll retreat and charge and go and do what they want. Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically, I was really happy with how I played this game, because I think I played it perfectly. Like, I sacrificed my six flayers on the right-hand flank by charging into his screen of Witch Elves, but knowing that his Sisters pile in six, he could pile them into range and hit me back, but I knew in so doing, he was piling himself out of range of his three inches for his hags which brew buff for his next hero phase and also he piled himself out of range of the um slaughter queen's seven inch hagnarb also the 14 inch command ability to fight in the hero phase so i sacrificed my six flayers to pull him out of range for his buff so that on my next turn he didn't have any of his buffs and then i took them out yeah Uh, and then i like i said i a 2.9 inch tagged the big unit of 30 witch elves because they couldn't retreat and charge with the nine flayers because he put um he put the martyr's sacrifice prayer onto his 30 witch elves which is every time they die every time a model dies you roll a dice and on a five up it does a it does a mortal wound back yeah and then they had the bladed bucklers so when my attacks would hit them armor saves of six would bounce more wounds back and stuff like that yeah. and i knew he'd get a round of combat into my, my unit of nine flares and kill most of them but probably not all of them with me limiting his attacks and then um when i struck back with how many i'd kill his martyr sacrifice would probably do enough mortal wounds back to me to kill my own unit which i knew i couldn't like if i did that i'd lose so what i did was i did the 2.9 inch tag and purposefully 
didn't pile in because you you have to attack if you're within range but you don't have to pile in so i didn't pile in to them to keep them at range so then he piled got a few in and got a few in and i went i basically took the hits through his turn and went all the way down from nine flares to two flares in that unit to then regrow them in my turn with the vargolf and the infernal and then use dead watch like regrow them put my spell on and then use the dead watch hero phase pile in to kill them because the martyr sacrifice rule only works in the combat phase not in the hero phase oh, okay. so then i was able to kill them without <clears throat> killing myself back um and then by that point um i'd gone through his 20 sisters in the middle i'd gone through the screens of witch elves i'd gone through the 20 sisters on the right i was on all three objectives um i'd summoned my second varg off on his backboard edge and then that meant that on my second turn, I moved it and charged him into the Slaughter Queen, then used the pile-in to bring it in range of the Slaughter Queen and the Hag Queen. On my first pile-in, I took out the Slaughter Queen, then I used the command ability to pile-in again, and I took out the Hag Queen. So on my second on my second turn, I was on all three objectives. I'd killed his general and his other Hag, and basically most of his stuff, and I was just going through his army with my nine flares, and I was like in a really strong position um so then he called it at the end of round two wow oh. so <laughs> i got another another major win and a, a concede i would have tabled him by the end anyway so um yeah and he got he got 340 kill points off me which was the six flares that i sacrificed on the right yeah. so um yeah that's probably one of the best games i've ever just played on the table yeah. i had a little bit of time to think before the game to know that I could safely like how I could I could deploy aggressively but safely and also kind of do that little bit of mind games and saying oh my zombie dragon's got this threat range if I run and charge and he's got a three inch bite so are you setting up within three or not like it was kind of fun to <laughs> to try and play those mind games and yeah yeah but yeah obviously Charles was like no no I don't want to get bitten and I was like smiling to myself like perfect because <laughs> there's no way I was going to hurl him in turn one but um, <laughs> it just it just worked like just through it was, that seed of doubt in there. It was just good to yeah. be like, no, cool. You can't. I can give you first turn, and you can't do anything with it. And it, if anything, you're just going to run up the board and make all my charges. Nice, like you're just going to position yourself so I can position nicely to take you down. And I just, yeah, I was just really proud of myself for like seeing that. Okay, sacrifice this unit to pull them out of range. La yeah. la 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 la. And so precision will have yeah. It just, yeah. And yeah, the Mart sacrifice thing, going through two rounds of combat, purposely like not attacking so that I didn't kill myself, so that I could kill him in an out of phase attack so that his buff didn't work. Like, yeah, yeah it was, it, it was very good in terms of my knowledge of the army and my army and how to pull some, like pull a very strong army apart. Yeah. Um, and it's probably one of the best I've played in a long time. Um, so I was, I was pretty pleased with myself after that oh. one, to be honest. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Well, should we roll on to the last game? Uh, so I've got my last game of the tournament was against a, a man named Rob Bromley. So he's uh, an old friend of um, Adam, uh, so I was told. But, um, yeah, they've he's come up from Melbourne Way, I believe, and he had a Seraphon army. So uh, he took a Slan Star Master. Uh, saw us old blood on Carnosaur. He had an engine of the gods. He had a stink, uh, a stink, <laughs> a skink star priest, stink uh, <laughs> a stink priest. <laughs> uh, he had six Croxigore with the moon hammers, um, 
10 skinks, 10 skinks, 10 skinks, 10 skinks. Um, Bastilodon with a solar engine and a Steganon with a sky strike, sky streak bow. And that was the battalion um, Thunderquake Star Host. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the last scenario was Border Wars in the Shadow Realm. Was uh, So this was, you could pick a friendly unit that has all of its models within six of any edge of the battlefield. If you're removed from the battlefield, set up more than nine from enemy units. And with all models within six of the edge of the battlefield, then you roll a dice for each one you're moved on a one, a model, the model becomes lost in the, sh- in the shadows and is slain. So a risky business, but um, a good risk, risky business if you want to try and get in the backfield to try and cap that four-point uh, objective in their territory. Yeah. Um, we didn't use it in our game. <laughs> in hindsight, yeah, probably should have, but, you know, hindsight's a bitch, as always. Could have, would have, should have. That's my, that's my mantra <laughs> at the moment, at least. But, um, yeah, so... Yeah, how'd this game go? So we lined up. Nagash pretty much just this. He was on fire this game. He was charging through. He he was chopping everything to pieces. I was you know capped the objectives. I was able to get the hex rays, do a charge combat, do the old classic retreat over the top into his deep territory. He'd left um his he'd left his objective unattended as he pushed um across the board towards mine, but. I just guarded my one with uh, 10 chain rasps and just sent the rest of my army towards his. And I was able to cap, I think, yeah, by the end of turn three, I think it was, I was, I'd capped all the objectives, was clocking up the points. Uh, Nagash was just going bananas. He was just chopping everyone. I was, I didn't get to, he was killing a lot of stuff with all these other spells, like all these damage spells and his combat, but um, there was no hand of dusting. I was just like every turn I'd, I'd set up the uh, I'd, I'd set up the the spell portal right next to his slan. His slan was like in the backfield, um, and yeah, each time he he, he dodged it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one that I mean, it would have been a, a sweet um, moment. But yeah, how does it, that fat frog <clears throat> that's like sitting on a chair dodge? He dodged anything? it, but he actually like he rolled a thing um, in his allegiance abilities, or uh, he he rolls a thing for the. The slam where if he foregoes spells, you can get extra, extra stuff. But um, he ro- yeah, he, he rolled a um, he rolled a, a result which made, meant the slam couldn't do cast spells or do anything that turn. So like right. literally, that it, it had fallen asleep on its on its throne in that turn. So <laughs> still couldn't touch it. Magash still couldn't do it. But um, yeah, but he was able to do everything else uh, around that. So actually, there was a point of the game where I, I to get the the right-hand flank, um, I needed to kill what was left of the Croxagors. Like, he still had a, a big unit of Croxagors. Um, I think he had three three left, four left or something by that stage. And he had some um, – he had a bunch of skinks on there as well holding it. And I thought, well, I'll send a gash over. I did. And I'm, he was, you know, mortal wounding them off the table as he, as he went over, just reduced them. And then he got into combat and – I needed to get rid of two Croxagore and like five skinks by this stage. So I did the thing that you should never do and I split his attacks and perfectly rolled, perfectly removed both units. It was fantastic. (laughs) I think think his his staff took out the Croxagore and his, um, 
and the rest of the attacks took out. Oh no, the staff took out the the skinks, and the rest of the attacks took out the croxigal, and it was like down to the last wound, and they would both uh, were taken off, and it was that. I think that was the moment I was like, yeah, I've got this one. Um, but that was like a very. It was. It felt like a casual game uh, playing against Rob, and I really enjoyed that. And it was a real good uh, way to finish off the the tournament, just in that sort of casual sort of feel. Um, obviously, knew I wasn't going to be. Uh, uh, competing for any swords or anything like that. So it did, it took a lot, takes the pressure off. And by that stage of the tournament, you tend to be playing people who are the same, similar sort of mindsets and, um, and army strengths, I guess, or whatever. But uh, yeah, so that was fun. Good to meet you, Rob. Thanks for the game. If you're listening, uh, hopefully another one in another game in again soon. And uh, hopefully that hand of dust gets you next time. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was the end of my tournament. I came 18th overall, uh, so I knew I'd get about the middle. So I had two two major wins, one minor win, two major losses. Um, yeah, so I was I was pleased with that result in the end. I was a bit discouraged after my first day, but um, I, t- I tend to sort of go for three, at least three wins in a tournament. I'm happy. Any less than that, I'm sort of like I'm. I'm you know, not not as pleased, but um, yeah, if I get at least three, I'm I'm I'm, I'm satisfied. So, so sitting around the middle, eighteenth. Um, yeah, that's my tournament. Good, got you three wins. Got my three wins. So yeah, game five for me, um, and I was playing against the mayor of Dubbo himself, Mister Matt Tyrrell, the mayor. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we knew that we were basically the only two players at this point on. Um, four major wins each so we were playing for the sword yes you were so, uh, yeah. pressure was on you're playing um, for the sword and you're playing for best death yeah that's true we're both death <laughs> so uh death's death was up there a lot so um yeah matt had his legion of blood list which was um a very good list i think on paper and if, a lot of people actually before the game were saying like myself included to be honest like i think on paper matt's got the better list like for this scenario and stuff. And I was like, yeah, we're, that's we're the... a little bit concerned. I was like, yeah, like I, I genuinely th- feel like for this scenario, like he, he probably does have the better list. Um, but yeah, like the ability to just bring units back and stuff like that with the general. And I mean, he had yeah. the ethereal vampire Lord on zombie dragon. He had a big, like he had 10 unit, big 10 black, boy. 10 black knights. Obviously yeah. he can put, double pile in he had his 40 re-roll, re-roll hits plus one attack like yeah. lots of command abilities he was 1900 points so he started with two extras he yeah. got a triumph instead of me having a triumph yeah. which he got re-roll saved he had lots of ethereal as well because obviously the vampire lord on zombie dragon had an ethereal amulet and he had a unit of nine spirit hosts as well yeah. so and 20 again 20 um chain rasps 20 chain rasps yeah. yeah um mm. and then he had two units of five dogs um yep. a unit of 40 skellies um as well like skelly warriors two necromancers um so yeah it was a it was a good list um i was like okay going into this i'm a bit worried Um, it's a list that he's been playing for a long time yeah and he's been playing it for a long time and um yeah like legion of blood's really strong like that vampire lord on zombie dragon he can have the ethereal amulet, but being Legion of Blood, he gets an extra attack on all of his profiles. Plus, he had the Aura of Dark Majesty trait, which is minus one to hit. So he's minus one to hit, ethereal, plus one attack on everything before he even uses command abilities or anything. And he can put both reroll to hit and plus one attack onto him. Like, he can turn that 
zombie dragon into a complete beat stick that he can chuck yeah. across the table, or he can put rerolls to hit on the spirit hosts. He can put it on the black knights, like, and then yeah, he just had a lot. I was kind of like, yeah, this could be a bit dicey. So um, mm-hmm. anyway, I was kind of over lunch. I was yeah probably talking myself out of it a little bit going oh and then halfway through lunch I was like nah I've got to stop doing this like I do this in the past I talk myself out of things and I have to just go into it with like a positive attitude and just play the game at the table um which is something I definitely tried to do a lot more this weekend um I think it was Darren Watson in the UK wrote an article a few months ago or something about just like table presence and mindset and stuff that I read and like being honest, I thought some of it was a bit wanky and a bit like, mm, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but it's just the whole, like, Oh no, you can like n- never count yourself out and all of this and like get in your opponent's head and always smile and don't sit down and have, like, I was like, yeah, okay. Some of it, it's a game let's just chill out a bit but yeah um (laughs) but at the same time there was some stuff in it that i thought no not so much the like trying to put your opponent off stuff but more the just have confidence in yourself like don't say stuff to your opponent i think you're gonna win because then your opponent will probably go oh okay cool and then they'll relax and you're already telling yourself you're gonna lose um yeah so I did try and go, okay, no, just stop. Let's just get to the table, see how he deploys, just try and play the game on the table. Like, At least it is an army that I was fairly familiar with because I'd played a, pra- a practice game against Clint when I'd been up on the Gold Coast kind of the week before with a similar list. Not the same, but Ethereal Vampire Lord, big unit of Black Knights. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was Border War. As you said, the... Uh, the realm feature for that let you teleport models from a board edge to another board edge. Um, didn't rely on a dice roll; just had to roll for every model you'd used. Yeah. And on a one, they died. Did you so guys use it? He used it to send yeah. the twenty chain rasps from his back board edge to my back board edge on his second turn. Yeah. Um, after I killed a few, he regrew a few. Then I think he lost about four. So I think he sent. I think he sent like thirteen or seventeen. I can't quite remember. I think maybe I think he sent 13 across um, in the end. Um, but obviously I'd left I'd left three flayers on my objective to try and be like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and fight that off. Um, but basically we had a... I did the same kind of deployment. Um, oh, not so much on this, actually. My zombie dragon I had more central, plus the three flayers, the infernal, and my nine flayers were all actually pretty much around my my center back objective and then off to the left i put the six flayers and the arch regent um and then i gave him first turn knowing like he wasn't going to alpha me from how he positioned um because he'd put his zombie dragon central and at his back board edge um and he had his big unit of black knights in a line fairly central kind of off to one side but fairly central he had the 40 skeletons clustered around his main objective and then he had like the five dogs um on one off to the right and then five dogs kind of off to the left um and then uh yeah he just sorry he only had one unit of five dogs just they were just off to the right um and then, yeah, he kind of pushed forward on his turn one. It was pretty cagey, just ran the five dogs on the right to claim that objective, but playing smart, going off to the far side of it, trying to keep as far away from 
the middle of the board um and then push the nine spirit hosts into the other side um and again just kind of shuffled a bit he moved the vampire lord on zombie dragon and the black knights a bit towards the left where the spirit hosts were but not nothing major really and i was like okay he's played pretty smart by being cagey with the knights and the zombie dragon because he doesn't really need to commit in my mind i was like he doesn't need to commit the zombie dragon Mm. because like if he lets me charge it i can charge it with what i need to kill it um but if he keeps it back he can send it wherever my threat isn't because he had pinions on it so it can move 19 or 24 potentially um and then that's the model because it's his general that's the model that can bring dead units back as well mm-hmm. so keeping it in the middle because he basically put a gravesite next to each of the four objectives yeah it's what um, that as well yeah which in hindsight was probably a mistake he probably shouldn't have put one next to my objective because realistically he was never really gonna get to it with the general i don't think um because I, I just sat models in it i was like okay well if i sit a model on it you can't bring anything back from there so i'll just sit a model on it because you put it next to my objective anyway yeah um so pot- pot- potentially that was a mistake but um after his first turn i thought okay this is going to be difficult he's playing smart he's not over committing anything he's being he's just putting out what he needs to and then keeping the knights back to ca- the knights and the zombie dragon to counter charge but i still had to kind of play the game as well right and so i i put the spell spectral host on my nine flares so they could run and charge yeah did a big i think i rolled a six five or six so they did a big run flew off from the middle off to the right um got a charge in to take off the five dogs um i think that was probably the mistake he did make was he very he under defended that right hand objective because he just put the five dogs there and then he had nothing else on that board edge that could go get it Mm. so he wasn't really gonna take that back off me so it meant i didn't really need to keep the nine flares there like my plan was okay send the flares in turn one take the dogs off claim it then send them on to his because that's what he let me do um meanwhile on the left i took my six flares up um pushed the arch region up a bit summoned a vargolf off to the left but a bit back put the six flares into the end of the spirit hosts um, to just try and kill through them, but keep within range for my double pile in. Um, I prioritized the summoning of the corpse mare stampede because actually that's one thing I forgot to talk about. It was amazing in every single game, every single game I prioritized casting it on my first turn, probably got a bit lucky and I cast it first turn in every single game. So it to cast seven, seven. Yeah. So if I had Arcane, I'd try and use it. And also my Arch Regent had the Dermal Robe for plus one to cast, Unbind and Dispel. So some sometimes I'd prioritize it with the Arch Regent for the plus two with Arcane and the Dermal Robe. Um, but I managed to cast it every single turn, um, every single game, turn one. And then you chuck it across the board into your opponent. You probably damage them because you've given them first turn, so they'll have moved some units forward. And then if you lose the priority it's in a good position to just hit them with stuff. Yeah, it can't Um, can't send it back at you because it's so far. Well, if I lose the priority, I get to move it. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, And then if they take, if I win it, then I'm like, okay, it doesn't really hurt me because it's quite far away from my army. Or if it does, it doesn't really hurt flayers and stuff anyway because they just, he doesn't do a lot of wounds and my stuff regrows anyway. Um, So, yeah, the Stampede was really, really good anyway. It just chips away. 
at stuff. Um, less so against death, because any damage it does, they just regrow from their grave sites. Um, almost to my detriment, actually, because I did I took two casualties on the Black Knights, and then kind of forgetting about the whole when they regrow, he can put them back anywhere he wants with incoherency. So I was kind of measuring the threat range from their line mm. back to my zombie dragon going, I don't want to get charged by them knowing that they move 12 and they can auto charge six. So I kind of was going, okay, so this is 18. So if I go here, you can't, you shouldn't be able to get me. Um, and he was like, yeah, but then because I was like, okay, I need to be mm. sort of aggressive to claim the objectives, but I don't want to overcommit. I can't, overcommit so i made sure i kept my zombie dragon quite far back i probably went about another three four inches back from the point i thought should be safe just in case there was something i was missing so then when it got to his turn and there was something i was missing because he regrew the two knights i'd killed and put them in front of his unit so that it made his unit closer to me so then when we measured it he was able to he was just within 18, so he could move that unit directly forward 12, and then he'd be guaranteed the charge into me, um, a minimum of six, because that's what they can do. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, but basically, yeah, it kind of came down to his turn two. He went for it. He put the command abilities onto the knights. He put Van Hells for double pile in. He gave them an extra attack, and I think he gave them the reroll hits. So he spent all of his command points pretty much putting, other than one, I think, putting all the buffs onto the knights. But because I was quite far back, he he could guarantee charge me a six if he wanted. He rolled a five the first time to charge. So then he had to decide if he wanted to use a command point to re-roll it <laughs> or if he wanted to just go with the six. But he wasn't happy with just a six-inch charge because he was only really going to be able to get one model because they were tailed out. Yeah. yeah. One, possibly two models in range. So he he spent a command point, and that was it. He spent a command point. He didn't have reroll hits. That's right, because he saved the extra command point. Did a reroll charge and only rolled a seven. So again, he he could charge me, but it wasn't going to get loads and loads of the knights in. Yeah. And I think the mistake he made here was that he, on getting that roll, he still went for the zombie dragon. He didn't decide to change tactic and just go left where the rest of my unit of flayers was, because he could have completely gone into my flayers, wiped them out, and consolidated and taken that objective back off me. Yeah. But then he would have been countercharged by my zombie dragon, to be fair. Yeah. So yeah it was kind a of a. One. That's a tough one. I was smart in keeping the zombie dragon back. Um, so he took it, he went into the zombie dragon. To be fair, with only three knights from the first round of attacks, he did. I think he did nine. I think he did nine wounds out of 14 oh, wow. to the zombie dragon. Nice. But then I activated and double piled in and I took off the entire the unit. Rest, yeah. <laughs> so I killed, I killed them all. Um, and then he'd also sent his vampire Lord on zombie dragon into my flayers. And he kind of whiffed it a bit because he hadn't used the command points because he, he, that was the one problem with his list is he had quite a few threats that he wanted and lots of different command abilities. Mm. Like he spent a command point the first turn, putting rerolls to hit on the spirit hosts, which didn't really matter because I went into them and, took them off before they attacked me really yeah and then he obviously put plus one attack and stuff onto the knights um and then he didn't put the reroll and he saved the points for the reroll charge he didn't put reroll hits onto his vampire lord yeah so then when he charged um, my needs it. he charged my mm. six flayers and he kind of whiffed to be honest and then my my he killed three and then the three flayers fought him back with two pile-ins and did maybe nine 10 wounds to him 
um, with mortals and getting a few through. And then it was my turn. My muster, actually, with my Vargolf, I failed to roll any five ups. So I was a bit like, oh, you might actually get away with this here because I didn't get any back. But then I got, so I still had the three, but then my Arch Regent cast the plus D3 attack spell and I managed to pop the three. So those three got three extra attacks each. And then I dead watch piled in and was able to, and then in my turn, I think I was able to finish it off. I think he had one or two wounds left after my dead watch pile in. And then in my combat phase, I was able to just take it off. But by that point, I think at the end of two, I knew I was, I, I basically I had the game because my zombie dragon had survived, killed his black knights. My six flares had survived, killed his spirit hosts, or taken them down to two models, which my zombie dragon went into in the next turn. Um, in my in my turn two, uh, my turn three, sorry, because I killed his black knights in his turn. I charged the zombie dragon up the board in to take out the two spirit hosts. The three flares were able to kill to finish off the vampire lord on zombie dragon, which meant I didn't have to worry about him bringing units back. Um, and the nine flares just pushed straight into his home objective where his 40 skeletons were and just started to chew through it and basically by the end of three i think i managed to table him and i got the win so and i didn't i didn't lose anything again that was another game i didn't lose any kill points oh god so your total kill points was 10,680 yeah across five 2,000 point games jesus (laughs) Uh, yeah, so it was pretty convincing, and I didn't give up that many. I gave up, yeah, no, I gave up um, none in two games. I gave up 340 in two games, which was the unit of six, and then I gave up 700 in my first game against Matt, which was the unit of six, the Vargoth and the Arch Regent. He literally killed it. <laughs> so I never lost the Zombie Dragon, and I never lost the... Um, I never lost the nine flyers. They went down to one multiple times, but I never lost them. <laughs> um, oh, man, congratulations, mate. So, yeah, hard I was fought, hard fought, hard I was won. stoked. You yeah. went there with the intention of um, coming home with a sword and you, you did it. Yeah, I went for the Absolutely sword did. and I got the sword. So, and I had an awesome weekend. Like I had five really fun games, like five great opponents. Great atmosphere. Like good, I had five, I had five great games, five great opponents, five great days because it was a five-day long weekend doing yeah. it. Like good banter, loads of drinking, more combat, Smash Bros. Like it was just a great weekend. <laughs> oh, brilliant! So, so Chris, I uh, got uh, got first place, and you also got the best death. Yeah. Uh, so we had Jordan Burgess came in second with his Nurgle army. Um, he Which also, oh. Jordan smashed it as well because he actually yeah. went five and no as well. Yeah, and one of, one of his games, one of his games was a minor, which is yeah. why he came in second. Yeah. Um, so he had five wins as well, but four majors and one minor. Yeah. But that was his first ever tournament, and he smashed it. Like yeah. his Nurgle list is really strong, and it's um beautifully painted too. Yeah, he's put, done like three different tones on the plague bearers and stuff like that. Put a lot of put a lot of work and effort into it, leading up to it as well to make sure he had it all squared away in time. And um, yeah, it was good. So well done, Jordan. Fantastic. And uh, next up, we had Charles Black with his daughters of Cain. He came in third place with best order. Well done, Chuck. Uh, we'll have to tee up a game soon, mate. Um, so fourth was Andrew Bidwood. He got the best destruction. Uh, trophy and the prize and he also won the coolest army 
uh, from the player votes. So well done there. Well deserved. Um, then runner-up best death was Nick Hohen of uh, Dwellers fame. William Knight won the best opponent. Well done, William. I didn't get a chance to play you, but um, I've heard nothing but good things about about you. So congratulations, mate. Uh, Patrick Nevin got the runner-up best chaos. Um, that was actually a really funny moment when they announced that because he was sitting over off to the side, yeah, like, packing up his army, just like he must have been tuned out or tuned, half tuned in or whatever to the proceedings. But they called out uh, runner-up best death, Patrick Nevin. And he just goes, what the fuck? He's like, what? Yeah, he literally <laughs> just was like, completely what? by surprise. Yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was a funny moment. We all had a, had a bit of a chuckle, um, and uh, what else we got? Course Army runner up was Sean Hay with his Stormcast Eternals. And he also got a runner up for Best Order. Congratulations, Sean. Um, Anthony, the coach, uh, got the runner up Best Destruction. Congratulations, Anthony. Um, so I myself I received the Best Painted uh, runner up. Uh, yep. followed by a strong showing there from um, Danny Paints. Uh, so he uh, his beautiful free people's army just can't be beat. Like as, when I saw his, that he was there and his army was there, I was like, yep, I know who's winning today. <laughs> so, um, but um, Yeah, I was glad I finally got to see it because I'd heard a lot about it from obviously at CanCon but not being Yes, there. yeah, it was, so such I, a, um, it was really close between him and Brant, both two, two uh, beautifully painted free people's armies at CanCon, but um, Brant did manage to pull a win there with Danny coming in. in um, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 an, it's a whole other level of um, painting there. So um, It was his movement trays that really I was like, wow, because yeah. – I, I, I was asking him how he did how he'd done them because I was like, is this like is this a custom base top or is this a thing? And like it's painted and he was like he's like, Yeah, no, I'd roll it out and then like cut out the circles for the actual bits where the movement trays go. Because if you imagine it's like a rectangle with the circles kind of cut out into it. So you've got all the bits of the edging, I guess, of the rectangle around the circles, yeah. all of that was also cobblestone all painted to match. And I was like, how does this, like, is this like that? And he was like, no, no, it's like a... How is this done? A basing top. Yeah, so I think it may be a green stuff roller type thing. He does, like, the rectangle of that and then cuts out the circles where the bases need to go and then paints over the top. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, just so nice. Like, the amount of effort. (laughs) So just going into your your freaking movement trays. Like, Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. It, it is beautiful. Yeah, well, definitely worthy. Um, and yeah, it's good. To, good to see him win a, a best painted there. Um, um, and also very chuffed to um, come a come a. I wouldn't say a close second, but at least a second. <laughs> to, yeah, no, well deserved. Your, your army is beautiful as well. Like, yeah, it's um, it was definitely. I'm the, well, I'm, I'm definitely well deserved. Like there was there was a lot of other really nice armies painted there as well. Like yeah. Andrew Big Andrew Bigwood's army was really nice. And I actually you, I thought he was going like... to get me there. So, but um, just looking at my my certificate wall, this one for you, Adam. <laughs> um, I do have two trophies, so it's a certificate and trophy wall. But um, majority of my awards are runner up painting <laughs> painting awards. So, suppose you could say I'm the bridesmaid of the of the painting. You're the Dan Brewer of painting. I'm the Dan Brewer of painting, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and last but not least, of course, is uh, Rob Bromley. He I got the runner-up best opponent, so congratulations, mate. I think you you got my best um, one of my best p- opponent votes on the day. So um, congratulations. So yeah, well done, everybody. Um, had a great time. Thank you again, um, Adam and Travis, for putting on the tournament. It's not an easy task. A lot of tough choices had to be made on the day. Um, and uh, hats off to you guys. You did a fantastic job. And and uh, looking forward to uh, catching up with you guys again soon. Um, looking forward to Border Wars 2020. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really good. If if they do it again and I can get to it again, then I'll I'll definitely go. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we're going to cut it away there, and uh, we'll be back next week talking about Sydney slaughter scenarios. So get you all prepped up and ready for the the tournament. So we'll talk to you then, guys. See you later.